0: Good morning! morning. Let me take just a moment and welcome those of you that are joining us through uh, Church Online. I'm so glad that you're with us, whether it's on Facebook or on YouTube, whatever it is. Thank you for being a part of our service today. We're so glad that you're here. And we want you to know that we're glad you're a part of Silver Creek Church. I don't know about you, but as I get older, I realize that I don't like change as much as I used to. By your response, there's a few of you that I think probably agree with that statement. Some of you may be nudging your dad right now. Um, dad, he's, he's talking about you. This, this should be some conviction here. Um, but we, we wonder, and, th- and this really applies to the church too. And, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this and I don't want you to think that in some way that I am like poking fun at at where we've come from. But I know that there are folks that come to the church or maybe the reason they go to a particular church is because they they just they love the the old the old anthems of the church. And I've talked about it before. Boy, if they could pick the songs on Sunday morning, Man, we wouldn't be singing about oceans. We'd just be singing about the rock of ages, okay? I realize that that is the case, okay? But what I want to wonder, what I want to know is, why can't we sing Jesus is Alive by Ron Cannoli from 1997, okay? Because that's now old. Are you with me? Come on. Let's admit it. That's now old. I can remember the room I was in worshiping the Lord on a, on a daily basis to that, to that, uh, that tape. It's not, it's not even a CD. It's not even a download. It was a cassette tape. <laughs> or what about Daryl Evans and Let the River Flow? Trading my sorrows. Man, I still remember waking up in the middle of the night when God literally downloaded the rhythm to that song which I couldn't get and I wanted to lead it and I woke up and I had it in the middle of the night. Or Sonic Flood. I want to know you. You say, who is Sonic Flood? Just think of the Hanson Brothers with Christian lyrics. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. But then Jesus' culture came along and Elevation And Maverick City and the old church basement, that spoke to me because I grew up in that basement. So is there evolution that's taken place in worship? Or are we just getting off track? Well, let's talk about it. And we're going to go back You heard Pastor Ben refer to the fact that I'm going to go backwards and he hopes that I'm going to bring you forward. That's him saying that I'm old and he's not sure if I can get you there, okay? (laughs) But we're going to start with the tabernacle. The tabernacle, let's go back because God made a covenant with a man named Abraham. Abraham and Sarah were childless, and God said, I'm going to give you an heir even though you're old. And they kept getting older. And eventually, the promise was fulfilled, and God gave them a son. His name was Isaac. And he said, Your descendants are going to be like the, the stars in the sky, or the, or, the, or the sand on the sea, or like the Pleasure family. It's going to be a lot. And I'm going to give you a land that you can possess and you can call your own and it'll be an inheritance for your family. And seven generations later, they were in bondage in Egypt. Okay? Just to give you an idea. God then used Moses to deliver this family of Abraham called the Hebrews, he, 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 he used Moses to lead them out of Egypt and a, an estimated two million people walked out of Egypt and they came to the edge of the Red Sea and God opened the Red Sea and he walked them through on dry ground. And over the next 22 days, they traveled 161 miles And they got to a mountain called Sinai and God called Moses up on the mountain and he said, I'm going to give you my commandments. I'm going to give you my laws and I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. And part of that was God telling uh, Moses, I want you to build me a, a sanctuary. I want you to build me a tabernacle. I want you to organize this whole process And the purpose, God said, was so that I can dwell with man. You see, before that, God had not dwelled with man. Remember back, I was thinking about this this morning as I was praying. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden, and every evening in the cool of the day, God would walk with man. God had not been dwelling with man that way, and God said, I want my presence to dwell with man. And so I want you to create this tent. In Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, it said, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings, get this, exactly like the pattern I will show you. God had a pattern in mind for this. God knew exactly. This wasn't a brand new thing, okay? God knew what he wanted them to make. And in fact, God gave Moses the dimensions. God gave him a list of the materials. God gave him the detailed specs. He gave him the function. And then when it was done, it was dedicated to God. Look at Leviticus chapter eight, verses 10 and 11. It it says, then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, and so consecrated it. Circle that word, consecrated. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the basin with its stand to consecrate them. What that means is that every article in this tent was set apart, it was dedicated for use in worship. The whole purpose of it was worship. The Ark of the Covenant, the altar, the candlesticks, the candelabras, the, the literally, the, the, we would call it silverware, although they weren't made from silver, they were literally made from gold. Everything in the tabernacle was dedicated and consecrated, set apart for the purpose of worship. And everything in it was considered holy and you wouldn't use any of it for any other purpose than worship. You wouldn't go borrow a fork from the tabernacle because you had company and you needed another fork. You wouldn't do that because it was set apart for God. It was holy. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35. It says, then, this is the result now of all of this activity, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So the cloud is the manifest presence of God on the earth. And remember, it was the cloud that stood between the Egyptian army and the Israelites while the Israelites were waiting to cross over the Red Sea. It was the cloud that led them by day, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. It was the cloud that dwelled between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. Leviticus chapter 16, the second half of verse two, it says, for I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. That's the Ark of the Covenant. The tabernacle was a place worship God. It was a place for God to dwell with man. And it existed for approximately 300 years. The Ark of the Covenant lasted much longer, but the tabernacle, the tent, it lasted about 300 years. And then there was no tabernacle. There was no God meeting with man. There was no worship taking place the same way until we get to the temple. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. He was the king. And he said, man, I want to build my God a place. He said, I dwell in a palace and God is in a just kind of like a small tent off to the side. Not the tabernacle, that's gone, but he just dwells in a small tent. That's where the Ark of the Covenant is. God, I want to build you a temple. David was a man of worship. I don't know if you know this, and, and this morning I appreciate our worship team so much. David's worship team, his, he, he had 288 people on the worship team. They were on a rotation so that they were always fresh always being able to be used by God, 288 people. David was a man of worship. He said, God, I want a place where you will be, where your presence will be, where we can worship you. David was a man after God's own heart, and God said, absolutely not. He said, David, you're a man of war. You shed blood and I... I'm not going to let you build a temple for me, but I will let your son Solomon build it. And so when Solomon got on the throne, David had already brought a lot of things, uh, resources together, but Solomon began to have the temple built, and it took seven years for this temple to be built. Let me just give you an idea of the size of this. It was 90 feet long. It was 30 feet wide and 45 feet tall. It wasn't a massive structure. It was, you know, maybe, maybe a house, maybe two houses, the footprint of a couple houses. Not a massive thing. And this thing was different than anything that had ever been built ever before. The materials, different than the tabernacle, God did not tell Solomon what materials to use. He told Moses what materials to use. In Solomon's temple... He used 7 million pounds of gold. I did a little math, okay? And I looked up what the current price of gold is for a pound. I don't have a pound of gold laying around, but maybe you do and you knew this already. But when you multiply that times 7 million pounds, you come up with the number $201 billion on today's market. Guess what? That doesn't even include the silver. He included in the building of the temple 75 million pounds of silver. This thing was like no one had ever seen before. Look at First Kings chapter eight and verse five. And King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered uh, about him were before the ark. So they're moving the ark now from where it was under David. They're moving it to the temple, and it says they're sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not uh, that they could not be recorded or counted. You say, why are they doing this during transition? Because to sacrifice blood is worship. They were worshiping God as they were moving the Ark of the Covenant. And then in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, it says, when the priests withdrew, from the holy place. After they got it, the, the, the holy place in the temple is now set up. The cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled his temple. During the dedication of the temple... Scripture tells us that 22,000 oxen were sacrificed. 120,000 sheep were sacrificed. And as soon as they put the ark in place, the cloud of God, the Shekinah glory, the presence, the kabod of God fell on that place. Second Chronicles chapter 7 says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple because of uh, the uh, temple of the Lord because of the glory the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw that the fire saw the fire coming down and the glory of God above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces on the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, "He is good." His love endures forever. As you can imagine, the the cloud of God comes down, the glory of God descends, the fire of God comes down and consumes the sacrifice and people literally fall on their face before God in worship. When we come into the presence of God, we need to worship. 1 Kings chapter 9 says, when Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had achieved all that he had desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. Get this, I have, sacri- I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. This temple that Solomon had built, God said, I'm accepting it. I'm consecrating, it's holy. I'm declaring it as holy. It is set aside for a special purpose only to worship the Lord. That's why it existed. And he said, my eyes are ever on it. In other words, my watchful, gracious protection is going to always be upon this temple and upon these people. And my heart, my love for these people will always be upon them. And he even used the word forever. And that word forever, though, is there's one caveat. It's based on their obedience. As long as you obey me, my eyes will forever be upon you. My name forever will ever be upon you. My my presence will ever be with you. My heart will always be for you. So now let's take the next step. Because the tabernacle only lasted 300 years. Solomon's temple lasted just over 400 years. It was rebuilt by Ezra, and it lasted another 585 years. So the sacrificial system between Moses and Jesus existed for about 1,450 years. During that time, the blood sacrifice was the only way for sin to be covered. Did you get that? Covered not forgiven, covered. It was the blood of bulls and goats that would cover their sin temporarily. But you see, there's a big problem because in A.D. 70, the temple was destroyed by the Romans. And ultimately, Jerusalem was destroyed in A.D. 135, But there was even another problem that existed that we read about in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect, what? Tabernacle. Remember, I told you that God had a plan. That tabernacle that he told Moses to build, there was a pattern for it. That is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. So God is saying through the writer of Hebrews that there is a more perfect tabernacle that exists in God's presence. And when Jesus died and shed his blood, through his blood, he walked into that perfect tabernacle he did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood thus obtaining eternal redemption so the earthly tabernacle is a copy of the real tabernacle the temple is just a paraphrase It it wasn't something that God laid out the same way. There There were elements in it that were the same as the tabernacle, but not all of it was the same. And Jesus enters the Holy of Holies in heaven because of the blood that he shed. And it wasn't just any blood that he shed. It was the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for you and me. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51, it says that at that moment, this is at the moment of crucifixion. I want you to follow me now because we're going to go into the future here real fast. We're coming to to present day. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. That curtain that it's talking about is the veil that separated everyone from the Holy of Holies. That curtain was not like a curtain in your home or in my home. That curtain was woven to a thickness of about 12 inches thick. It was impossible for that to tear and as I've studied this in the past, it tore from the top corner to the bottom corner, not just straight down the middle so you could close it or not this way so you could hide it. It tore so that there was no more separation between man and the presence of God because the Bible says that you are now the temple of The Holy Spirit. Jesus has provided you and He's provided me with the access into God's presence. Christ fulfilled the Old Testament uh, ceremonial system, and through Jesus, we can worship God directly. That's why Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Because we now have access. Into the very presence of God. In First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says this, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? In the Old Testament, God's presence was in the tabernacle. God's presence was on the Ark of the Covenant. It was in the temple. But through Jesus, you and I, we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, when we come into a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit now can dwell in us. We become the temple. What started with the tabernacle, it moved to the temple, and now it's here for you and I to experience the presence of God. And when we get together and we worship together as the church, friends, we're worshiping the King of kings, the Lord of lords, not from a distance, but he's right here. We're a bunch of temples getting together to worship him. And what is a temple without worship? That's a powerful thought. What is a temple without worship? I know right now, some of you, within the sound of my voice, you are thinking to yourself, I can't see myself as a temple of the Holy Spirit. I know you're thinking that. Right now, the enemy is bringing a sense of condemnation upon your heart. And in your mind, I want to remind you what God said when Solomon built his temple. He said, I've consecrated this temple, I've accepted it. When we accept Christ, God consecrates us, He accepts us. And some of us really have wondered does God really accept me? Friends, he has accepted you, and he has set you apart for his purpose, a holy purpose, a purpose to worship him. In fact, he has put his name on you. You know what we do these days when we, our families have kids? We, we have these reveals, right? Right? And we, 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 it's, it's a gender reveal. We reveal is it a boy or a girl, but, but then we hold back. We, hold, we don't tell people right away, but what's the baby's name, right? We know you're having a boy. We know you're having a girl, but what's the name? And that name is such an important thing. And God says, I put my name on you. I put my name on you. Do you know who I am? I'm Larry's boy. I'm Larry's boy. That doesn't mean much to some of you here, but back in (laughs) my hometown, I've had people say, I can tell who you belong to. You're Larry's boy. That's who I am. God says, I put my name on you. And he said, forever. Forever. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. My name is upon you forever. He said, My eyes, my eyes are always on you, my gracious protection. It's always upon you. My heart, the love that I have for you, it will always be upon you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are mine. I call you by name. Paul said in Romans 12, 1, he said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, friends. The center point of the temple was the altar. We used to we used to build churches with with uh, a big step up. Not it wasn't just so that the speaker was higher. I mean, some of you are standing up now are are taller than me, and I'm on a. A small platform. But it, it, was, it, was about, it was about coming to the altar. It was about being the sacrifice. The center point of the temple is the altar so that sacrifices can be made. And in this temple that God has made us and declared us to be, we are also the sacrifice to lay it on the altar. And God delights in us as a living sacrifice. I want to invite you to stand with me. I've given some opportunities throughout this series for people to respond to God. Israel responded to God the Hebrews responded to God and they did so all of them and you know what I'd like to see us do today and what I'm going to ask of you whether you're, you're here in, in the sanctuary even if you're out in the hub and you want to come in right now even if you're in the wiggle room and you want to come in it's alright we'd love to have you but I'm going to invite you because we're going to close with this new song that we did and whoo man this I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you This got to hit us right between the eyes, guys. Oh, my soul, don't get shy on me. How often do we clam up and we're just going to count on someone else to declare our praise? Do you know that scripture says that as Jesus went into Jerusalem on the donkey, they told him, they said, shut these people up, Jesus. And he said, if they don't worship me, the very rocks will cry out. I don't want any rock doing my worship. And so I'm going to invite all of you to step out from your seat and to come and line up across the front of this this church as an altar of God. And let's give a sacrifice of praise and let's take a moment and worship together the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as the team leads us. I'm going to invite everyone to come and then we'll close in prayer. Father, I pray, Lord, in this moment of of intimate worship, as all of these temples of the Holy Spirit are gathered together in worship, Father, I want to, I want to reject some of the lies that the enemy might be speaking right now that if, If somebody only knew what your past was, they could never stand even in this close proximity worshiping with you. Father, I pray, Lord, that those lies of the enemy would be defeated. And God, I pray that you would raise up an army of worshipers in our community. God, raise up an army of worshipers. God, I pray, Lord, that we will call on your name God that we will lift up your name and father I pray forgive us when we have allowed ourselves to be shy to be concerned about what anyone else would say Lord we realize that Jesus our savior is the king of kings and the lord of lords and we declare today that he is worthy to be worshiped in Jesus name we pray Amen. Guys, I I just want to say that this moment of, of being together and worshiping God, this is not something that we, we don't have to have this to worship Him. We can be alone and worship Him and feel His presence exactly the same way. Some days we just need, we need a kick in the butt. By the Holy Spirit to say, don't forget, you're actually created to worship me. And so I just pray this week as you go, that you go declaring his praise, declaring his worship. Amen. God bless you. It's been so great to be with you. Have a marvelous week. Amen.